This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is August 31st. 2020 as always i'm joined by my co-host luke sylvia luke what it do yeah so obviously you guys don't know this but right before we started here jonathan told me hey i'm gonna switch it up a little bit i'm gonna do something different and i really thought it was gonna be a, a seriously like he was gonna ditch the what's going on guys so he didn't say that i nailed that by the way your inflection on oh, your yeah. voice yeah, yeah. so when you started with i i legitimately thought he started the episode with hello and then like it all registered pretty quickly for me. But yeah, yeah, that's uh wow. Um, I'm in a dark place. So yeah. I mean, we just welcoming my old friend back. Th- yeah. Uh, we've, we've been here before, you know, I had a buddy text me, Jonathan. He's also a magic fan. Uh, listens to the show from time to time. He, uh, <laughs> he summed it up perfectly. I don't know. Maybe you could <laughs> even name the episode this. I really don't know. He, he texted me about the game. Uh, he said, looked like we had a shot for a second there. That was his text to me. I mean, you could you could <laughs> take that so many different ways. It felt right. like that for the series. That's what I said. I said. I said story of the series. That's all I replied. Um, so, story, I mean, it's true. Story of the season. Really? Yeah. Looked like, <laughs> look like we had a shot for a second there. Looked like so, we, had a, we were getting a little bit better in January. Jonathan Isaac goes down with a knee injury. Well. Looked like we were looking pretty good at the you know the beginning of the restart. Jonathan Isaac tears ACL. Mm-hmm. Win game one, get waxed the rest of the series. Game four, game five, looks like we have a shot there, and then you you know you end up losing for a second by 15 there. and fourteen. It did. So yeah, yeah, that's the story of the season. I, I mean, first I feel like we have to cover this, um, and that is I I retract. My bad statements and things I've said about Nikola Vucevic ever in my life. Yep. Um, solely because it. of what he did in this series. I mean, his his numbers were through the roof. Uh, I believe. Let me pull it up just so I don't make any mistakes here. But, um, but I mean, twenty eight and eleven. And the one that is the most impressive to me uh, is forty point nine percent from three, not on three or four or five attempts, but on eight point eight attempts. I mean, shot the lights out. That that's a guy who shoots four point seven during the regular season attempts from beyond the arc. And by the way, on those four point seven attempts, he shoots about thirty three, roughly thirty three, thirty four percent from the three point line. So remember last week, Jonathan, I talked to you and said guys like Evan Fournier who weren't stepping up to that point, and you know, unbeknownst to us, would not step up the rest of the series. Um, I kind of talked about that. Your star players need to go above and beyond their season averages. Um, I didn't know where Vucevic would end, but he had done enough work up to that point when we recorded that podcast that he was going to end up over his averages. So for him to have the numbers that he had, which, by the way, regular season, uh, 19.6 points per game, 10.9 rebounds. Um, so mainly in the points category, obviously from the three-point line, was a, just a totally different player. And you got to think – was that because he was in a groove? Was it because the the essentially it's a gymnasium in there? 
Um, nothing to throw off your depth perception. Terrence Ross talked about that early on in the bubble, uh, saying that that could play a factor in some of these guys' shooting performances. You've seen it in guys like Nikola Vucevic. I would like to think it was solely because he's in a groove, but I really think that I'll, you know a, a good bit. Obviously, he wasn't a groove, but a good bit had to do with that closed in you know stadium high school vibe. Um, and you know other players have taken advantage of that as well. You've seen Donovan Mitchell on 8.6 attempts per game in the playoffs so far, shooting 51% from three, which is just absurd. Um, very much like Vucevic, he's a pretty mediocre three-point shooter. So you've got guys like this who are stars that say, all right, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and that's just what bucket getters do. That's what all-stars do. And you know, and if you are a true all-star like Nikola Vucevic, you bounce back from what you learned last year, uh, and you do well. That's not to discredit the job the Bucks did on guarding Evan Fournier this series, uh, but that is, you know, there, there, was, there was a little bit of both in this series for him. But um, first and foremost, I mean – a lot of praise goes out to, to Nikola Vucevic for what he did with the Magic this postseason. Well, just to put a little bit more context on just how much better Vooch was this playoff series as compared to last year against Toronto, mm-hmm. Orlando Magic PR tweeted this out today. Yeah. Center Nikola Vucevic increased his playoff scoring by 16.8 points per game from 2019 to 2020. That is the second largest increase in playoff scoring average in consecutive appearances in NBA playoff history. You know who has number one? Tracy McGrady with a 17.1 points per game increase from 2000 to 2001. So when he left the the Raptors and and came here to the Magic. So part of me kind of feels like we might always look back on this bubble and just think that it was kind of like an inflationary period. I mean, you look at guys like Donovan Mitchell. You look at guys that, you know, balled out like TJ Warren, you know, Nikola Vucevic just shooting the, the, the laces off of the basketball, especially in the postseason. And, I mean, we'll have to wait until next season to really see if that's going to be a, a real thing going forward. I mean, if Vooch starts shooting 40% from three, yeah. like just his his potential just explodes. He turns into a guy that can score 28 and 11 every single night. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I mean, I'm, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but if Vooch starts giving us 28 and 11, I mean, you, you start talking about trading Mo Bamba. I'm sorry. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that this playoff series was a little bit of an aberration as far as him just shooting at a ridiculously high percentage. However, if that is not the case and he just turns into a 40% shooter overnight, which I, I don't think is possible, yeah. um, but that's something that you would really have to think about. I think... A lot of it is is the environment in which they're playing in right now. You know, you've heard countless guys talk about it. It's just an easier shooting environment. Um, but maybe something happened during during the uh, you know the the lockout, not the lockout, the suspension. Um, you know, Vooch was shooting on his neighbor's hoop or whatever. So maybe that driveway he found something <laughs> magical in in his, his shooting. Stroke. He needs to give. I don't really uh, know. He needs to give those people a signed jersey or twelve. Um, but. But also, at this point, give him a little bit of that, you know, hundred million dollars. <laughs> well, you also just have to, you know, look at it. Also, the opponent, right? Um, I think the Bucks did a very good job in terms of game planning for the Magic because they said pretty much what the Magic said, which was, "We're going to make the the role players and the bench beat us." Um, and in game one, everything was clicking for the Magic. Uh, they kind of fired everything, and that was best case, as we saw. Um, but but the Bucks did have a good game plan. I mean, you let the star player go nuts if they want to. 
and if they make them make shots, I mean, they let Vooch shoot outside. You saw that, and we've talked about that on, on a couple weeks back, maybe a week ago. We were talking about the series about how the Bucks play pick-and-roll defense is very much catered to Vucevic's game, especially if he's knocking down threes, solely because uh, you know Lopez or whoever's guarding him at the time doesn't like to come above really the, the free-throw line. Um, right. So when you set that screen – the guy's always fighting over it. He's kind of trying to split and uh, the defender on ball. He's going to go with the ball handler, and Vooch has a real quick pop. You've got guys at DJ who might throw over-the-head pass back out to Vucevic, whatever it might be, um, at, at the top of the arc, and he's going to make the shot. So, I mean, at least right now he's making the shot. So, I mean, that's really a shot, though. I mean, it, you watched during the course of the regular season. You know, we saw Vooch's three-point attempts kind of take an upswing. I do think that, you know, the Bucks really never made that adjustment where they're like, okay, we are going to make, you know, Vooch beat us from the inside. They're perfectly fine with letting him shoot 40% from the three-point line. But throughout the season, I mean, especially when he's trailing, you know, he, he gets at least two, two or three of those, like, really good looks a game. So, I mean, if he can start to knock those down at a, yeah. a pretty, you know, high clip, it would just completely transform you know, the the offensive ability of not only Vooch, but also, you know, the entire offense. Yeah, and it's it's wishful thinking that, that he would do that yeah, next it's, year. It's but, not going to happen. But every team, you know, obviously defends differently. Some teams are going to say, that, you know, they might put a focus on that. You know, Vucevic had a hot end of the year, started this season. We're not going to do that. We're going to play up, and we're going to get out to him. We're going to switch, whatever you need to do. Need to do. Um, so, you know, it's it's – it kind of goes with the bubble in the terms of like it's an enigma. There's a lot of things that are that happened that just don't make sense. I already touched on Donovan Mitchell. What he's doing right now doesn't make sense, uh, especially from three. So there's just a lot of factors that are kind of flying around for the Magic. Um, and I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. We we don't really know when we're going to see the Magic back on the court again. We don't know if they're going to start in December. They said December 1st, but then Adam Silver revealed uh, that might be a little too early. We might have kind of overshot there. Um, and, you know, then maybe they do it Christmas Day, which would be nice. I mean, that's a great day to start. You're not competing with football as much. Uh, you go into the summer, you're only competing with baseball, uh, which, I mean, I don't know what the ratings are like, but I'd like to say the mat that, you know, the, the NBA does a lot better when it's baseball season than when it is football season. So. Uh, a lot of things to look forward to, Jonathan. So kind of what I, I wanted to do, Luke, obviously, like everybody knows, you know, last night, you know, the, the Magic are, are pretty are down, you know, pretty big in that first half and in typical Magic fashion, go on an awesome run in the second half, cut it to three at one point in that fourth quarter before the Bucks, you know, basically just Giannis comes in, he hits a three and then, you know, it, it's history as usual for the Magic. Go down big in the first half. You come back in the second half, and the last five six minutes of the fourth quarter, you just lose it, uh, effectively ending the series. Milwaukee will you know move on, um, and you know the Magic are out of the playoffs. It was it was kind of cool to see you know like Terrence Ross being reunited with his kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've got to think if there was ever a year that like you weren't all that upset about losing in the first round, this has got to be the year. You know after being away from your family for you know almost yeah. two months. Well, and and um, if you're and if you're Terrence Ross, you've got nothing to hang your head about. I mean, oh yeah, it, you you know what you get with Terrence Ross. He's gonna put up a lot of three pointers, but man, you you love him when he's hitting them, 
and when he's not, you're saying, oh, Terrence, I wish you wouldn't take those shots and whatever, but you get what you get with him. Great to see him back with his family. Uh, I'm sure that's a moment that a lot of people had, a lot of those players had on the team, being back with their families. Really good for them. Um, you know, guys like T. Ross, which which really nothing to hang their heads about. They, you know, they, they produced well for us this series. Well, Terrence Ross, second leading scorer in this series for the Magic. Vooch at 28, like we said. Terrence Ross at 16.4. But had you told me that Evan Fournier at 12.8 points per game in this series, he was going to be our fourth leading scorer, I I, would have told you this is exactly what would have happened. You know, the Magic would lose the series in either four or five games and, you know, lose most of those games by, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 points a game. So huge letdown from Evan. But then looking at Markel, you know, we talked a lot about Markel going into this series and how he really had the ability to, to be an X factor for us, um, you know, especially when you look at guys like Evan Fournier struggling. But uh, Terrence, uh, as my Siri is going off in the background here, good grief, <laughs> Apple Watch, idiot. Always um, listening. Yeah, yeah, big brother, Apple, everybody. Um, but 12 points, uh, 2.2 rebounds, 5.2 assists. So the, the points and the assists are, are just about his season average. Um, rebounds just below that. Uh, but shooting uh, in the bubble, I believe Markel shot close to like 37% from the three-point line um, in this series against the Bucks, uh, up from, I believe, 25 or, or 27% um, during the regular season. So, yeah, just below 27%, 26.7. So, yeah, but Fultz just... I don't know that I'm ready to say, like, you know, this is going to be, like, legit from Fultz. I mean, we're looking at just 3.2 attempts uh, per game. But, yeah, 37.5% from the three-point line. But, yeah, not uh, – we haven't really talked about this, Luke, but not really exactly what I was hoping to see out of Markel in the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, it's good for Markel – probably good for the fan base but Markel was kind of able to blend in with the storylines for the magic in the playoffs you had guys playing at an all-time high and and Vucevic you had guys playing at really an all-time low in in Evan Fournier so Markel could find it kind of just get just slithered in there to where you didn't really it didn't die you know didn't dissect it too much which I think is good for the magic fans because if magic fans if if Evan played out of his mind people would be saying Oh, Markel Fultz really should have stepped up, um, and then all of a sudden they they don't like Markel Fultz anymore. I think that's a heavy possibility if Evan Fournier does play well. Um, so you know, with Markel, we see a little bit of a boost, obviously, in his uh, you know three point attempts. Um, like I said, boost in three point attempts uh, really doesn't surprise me for for this bubble. I really do think that that gem plays a huge part uh, in those elevated numbers. Um, but yeah, Evan Fournier begs to differ. Well, that's, that's different. <laughs> that's, that's a little different. Um, I mean, no, but I, but again, a lot of, a lot of kudos goes to, to Budenholzer and the box. Um, yeah, you, Bledsoe played him. Bledsoe was just a pit was bull the just, entire series. Didn't give him an ounce of, of room to breathe. Make another reference to another episode. He was in his jock strap all series. Oh, uh, yeah. So, it's true. I mean, not in a good is. way. Not in no, a good way. Not in a, mm, um. Yeah. No. Moving not. On. Not. Not great. But you know, I. I don't know. All, all that to say, we really, as Magic fans, have looked at this as like Markel's rookie season, where he's finally yeah. uh, getting a lot of run. He's a starter, um, and he's doing all those things. I think 
a lot some of it has to do with his role when certain people are in the game named DJ Augustine. Um his role and Evan, when and Evan at times. But but the most frustrating is probably when DJ comes in. Um most of the time, if not all the time, Cliff says, DJ, you're the vet. Here's the keys. It's the postseason. Take care of the offense. Uh Markel, stand in that corner and hit that three ball that you're so good at. I don't know why he stands there. Um, so that's part of it. I think that Markel maybe would have elevated his game a little bit um, if he was able to have the keys. Yeah, would he have had probably more turnovers? Sure. Uh, but guys like Markel, they're going to need a lot of run. They need a lot of reps. Um, he's coming back from something that nobody in basketball really has to deal with in TOS um, and that nerve um, you know, injury, which, you know, is, 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 I can't imagine it's easy to come back from. He literally learned how to to shoot again. Um, so last guy that uh, we know of that had to deal with it was Landry Fields. And when was the last time that you heard that name? Right. So, uh, I think I wish I would have gotten to see Fultz, uh, run the offense a little bit more. I think moving forward, obviously another podcast for another day, but, um, moving forward, I'd love to see, uh, Cliff trust him more and with you know other people certain people leaving hopefully uh, that will happen opportunity will come and Markel Fultz will finally get to shine as the leader of the offense as a starter um, and with no competition behind him I hope we have some some decent guards behind him MCW guys like that um, that are somewhat competent and able to hustle and, and play defense to the fullest and then have Markel just kind of no matter who's in the game, he's bringing the ball to court. Well, um, I mean, we can definitely start to talk about this now. Uh, I think as we learn more about, you know, the offseason and how all that is going to unfold and, you know, when a free agency is going to begin, you know, um, I, do we even know when the, the draft actually is going to be yet? I, I don't even remember. I think there's been some talk about moving that back when yeah. the, the next season is going to start, everything like that. We'll definitely get more into this, you know, the salary cap stuff and who's going to be a free agent and, and who is not. But um, everybody knows Evan Fournier is going to have that player option uh, after this season. DJ Augustine is set to be an unrestricted free agent. Michael Carter-Williams, unrestricted free agent, as uh, as well as Wesley Awundu. Um, Ken Burch looks like he uh, still has a, another year on, on his deal as well. Um, Gary Clark will be a free agent as well. So um, it's definitely going to be really interesting to see what happens, especially at that point guard spot. We know how much, um, you know, Cliff loves Michael Carter-Williams. I know Cliff likes DJ, uh, but DJ definitely doesn't fit the the Weltham um, mold, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't really match Clifford's, you know, defensive identity. I know that DJ is a, a good player. He's still a very capable player. He's obviously not a guy that really relies on a lot of athleticism, but making $7 million already this year, um, going to be 33 years old next season. Uh, I, w- I would just really be surprised to, to see the, the magic bring DJ back. Um, especially, you know, you've got Michael Carter Williams there, um, you know, who is completely capable of running the second unit. As long as you can surround him with some shooters, guy that's a, a great defender as well. I just feel like we, we need to get away from these, two point guard lineups where Markel Fultz is playing off the ball. 
It just doesn't make any sense until he proves that he can knock down that corner three at a 35, 37% clip. It just makes no se- no sense at all to have him out there because even when you have him sitting in the corner, it's like guys are even reluctant to pass the ball to him when he's wide open at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's just uh, let's talk about DJ. Let's talk about Evan. Those are, are really, I think, the, the, the two biggest pieces of whether or not those guys are, are going to be playing for us next year. So, um, I know I spoke about DJ a little bit, so if you want to um, add anything there, but you know we definitely want to talk about Evan. Um, I'm not trying to bash Evan here, but um, it just it feels like for the the sake of the team where we're at, like where we are in you know the the middle of the road here, it's just time to move on. I just want you to know that I just looked up Evan Fournier contract and Google tried to hit um, the link for <laughs> Basketball Reference, and it said. 502 bad gateway. Well, I can tell you he's set to make $17 million next year and he has a obviously he has the player option whether or not he wants to pick that up that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh I'm going to venture out and say he's going to pick up that 17 um pretty much without hesitation, especially without this this postseason. It was a big postseason for him. I mean, he he's a guy who if he plays out of his mind who knows? Maybe he says, mm, I might be able to get that money somewhere else on a contender, maybe. Or I can get that money somewhere, more money somewhere else on a worse team that has space. Um, so uh, just a, a big postseason for Evan and for him to not um, show up. I mean, it, it doesn't bode well for the Magic and it definitely doesn't bode well for him. He's going to accept this. And who knows? Maybe the Magic look at it. They say we want to give our young core some more, um, you know, some more control. Um, and Evan doesn't fit the scheme moving forward, the game plan moving forward, we need to move him uh, before the deadline. I think that is your most realistic scenario to get Evan Fournier off this team. I wouldn't hold my breath about him you know, not accepting that seven, 17 mil. I don't know where he gets that from elsewhere. So this is what I would say. So um, career high in points this year, 18.5 points per game, um, shooting you know, 39.9%, so we'll just call it 40% from the three-point line. I think a lot of GMs around the league will look at Evan and be like, this is just a guy who has a chance to be a really efficient offensive player if he's cast in the right role. Um, like even even us, like we know why Terrence comes off of the bench. You know, we know why, you know, Aaron, um, Evan, you know, starts. Um, but I feel like Evan as a six man, you know, playing against second units, um, if he has a, a really, you know, like a dynamic, you know, ball hand, like somebody um, – like if if we had like a, a Dennis Schroeder like coming mm-hmm. off of the bench, you know, a guy who's able to get his own shot, but also able to set up for others, um, and you know, basically just leave Evan to to knock down open threes, or at times can be a secondary ball handler. Um, that's really his ideal role. You know what I mean? So I mean, I could see a team that um, you know already maybe has a decent amount of cap space that already has um, you know like that that primary ball handler um ready to go like I know I know Atlanta is really high on Kevin Herter I'm just using them as an example like Atlanta is a team that I think that Evan Fournier really can make a positive impact because he he's basically like what you want Kevin Herter to become right like a guy who's able to I mean Kevin Herter is already a a really good shooter but um a guy that at times can be that secondary ball handler like I think if Kevin Herter's career looks like Evan Fournier I think the Hawks are pretty happy with that I'm not saying that's a realistic landing spot for him. I'm just like giving that as an example of 
like a scenario where I could see Evan definitely not getting like $17 million a year. But if a team comes to him and says, hey, we're going to give you 15 a year for the next four years, I could see him turning down this year 17 for a little bit more, you know, long-term security. So that's, I mean, I don't think that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if he was going to sign with someone else, that would be the scenario for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what, what we're going to see um, happen. I don't know if really anyone does. But like I said, I would just say he takes the money and maybe gets moved. Um, I mean, at least as as a Magic fan, that's kind of what I want. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it might be a little bit of bias toward, toward, you know, what I think hopefully the direction is for the team. Um, I just really can't put enough emphasis on young guys getting reps next year. Let me ask um, you a question yeah. really, really quickly. Not, I don't mean to like jump in here. Mm-hmm. I think we either see Evan get moved on draft night if he's going to get moved or he's moved by the trade deadline next year. Like if he opts in, Yeah. What, being as how like we're having Chuma Okiki come in next year, right? He's going to be our rookie. If you're the Magic and you get a decent return, but you need to move Evan and the first-round pick, do you do it? Obviously, a lot's going to be, you know, dependent on the return, but, like, we get we get a decent player back. We get to get Evan. Yeah. We get to clear out a little bit of cap space, but we're just not going to have a first-round pick. That's that's fine. I Move on. From Evan, this is not the draft to put all your eggs in one in one basket. This draft very is just not that good. Um, so I don't I don't mind um, moving on from Evan in that fashion. If that's how it happens, it happens that way. Um, you know, I think it, you wait to see who's there at the pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously you, you're smart about it. You weigh your options, but um, if the and here's the thing: if if the front office of Orlando goes into the draft night thinking you know we we want to move Evan Fournier then they they will move him if it's right um but if they go into draft night not really thinking about it but a team comes to them and says give you you know this and this for Evan Fournier and your pick I don't see them doing it um they, they're gonna have to want to do it and yeah, the magic they don't un, this un, front office doesn't doesn't just make moves to make moves. Right. They have and that, to have a, and that's a target some, in mind. Yes. You know, rest assured, guys, we're not in the Hennigan era anymore. Um, so, you know, you're not Less. getting all, you're not getting a guy of Oladipo's caliber getting traded on draft night. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that it would be good. I think that that would be a, a good way to move on from Evan. Um, I think that fans would probably be pleased with that after the postseason. So, um, yeah, move them any way you can, get it how you can, and wipe your hands and let's let's move on. Let's get the young core some more reps. Let's get Shuma in there. Um, continue getting Markel some reps. Hopefully move on from DJ. Um, and then, you know, get guys hopefully next year like Mo Bamba some, some reps as well. So I, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Um, next year, I don't know, man. I, and it's going to be such mo- a big year for Mo. Yeah. It's going to – I mean, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. Um to to see if he can produce it's gonna be huge 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 absolutely huge uh you do that a little too well (laughs) (laughs) oh Um, man the yeah i mean it's there's a lot of question marks uh coming out of this postseason for orlando 
So I just been thinking about Mo, um, and just you think like, about him a lot. Not not like that. Okay, I mean, all right. Okay. I mean, he's a handsome young guy, but <laughs> oh, I'm married. <laughs> um, to to a woman. Let me just. He's I've got just, his own song too. So I got never mind. There's a lot of clout that comes there. It's yeah. a lot of clout. Yeah. Um. No, but like. This is this is just going to be make it make or break time for Mo. Like if Mo is not to the point where he's a legitimate backup center that we really could see, you know, becoming a starter eventually, like it, it's 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 really bad for the Magic if if that doesn't come to fruition next season, where we're like, oh yeah, Mo is Mo is going to be the guy that we believe he's going to be. Like I just feel like it's he's still so young, but like third season, it, it just feels like it's it's really going to be make or break it time for for Mo. But um, uh, but we'll see. Another question for you. Um, we've addressed this before, but do you think? Not saying his injury has anything to do with this. Do you think Aaron Gordon gets moved before deadline this year? Uh, and do man, you want? And do you want him to be? What I really want is Aaron Gordon to, to become the player that I thought he was going to be this year. But I, I like. Mm, just a, a kid who's that athletic, who just continues to show flashes of brilliance. You know, it, it, it's just really hard to move on from him. This is what I know is going to happen with Aaron Gordon. Like, I, I can, he's not going to be a, ma- a career magic. Like, it's just, I, I don't see that happening at this point. He's, and, and I feel the same way about Wessa Wundu, who isn't really in the same caliber of player that Aaron Gordon could be. But I see something similar happening like this if we don't bring Wes back. Aaron's going to go to a team, a good team, a playoff team, okay, who is already going to have, like, their elite players in place, okay, who do things really, really well, score the basketball, all that good stuff. Aaron's going to be asked to do, like, two or three two or three things really, really well. Defend at a high level, rebound at a high level, and maybe occasionally play make, right? He's just going to be this kind of guy who's going to, you know, uh, like pick and roll, you know, lobs at the rim, um, you know, cuts. He, we already know he's one of the best cutters in the entire league statistically, right? Yeah. And he is going to become a guy who scores like 16 to 17 points a night and does that in a way that helps his team win. And we're all going to be looking at each other like, see, that's mm-hmm. what we could have had here. But we just don't have the right pieces in place to utilize him that way in that light. Same thing with Wes. Wes is going to go to a team that's going to say, lock yourself in a gym all summer, become a 36% three-point shooter, defend at a semi-high level, don't make mistakes, and next year around this time or playoff time, we're going to be watching him play for a team. He's going to score like 12 points in the third quarter of a game six, and we're going to be like, man, we had Wes at one doing, we just tossed him aside. Right, and a lot of it, and a lot of the Orlando's issues, is like the words you use for Evan Fournier. They're miscast. Yeah, because they don't have a choice. Uh, Aaron Gordon does doesn't necessarily need to be shouldn't to play to his highest. Does not need to be a third option on the team. Um, you're looking at a guy. Maybe AG becomes sixth man off the bench. Um, maybe he becomes the fourth option. I don't know what that looks like, but. Um, I think op- third or fourth option is his optimal role. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the the Magic don't have the pieces around those guys to to really elevate their games. 
Um, and injury bug got us, um, especially hard. at the end. Very hard. Shout out Kyle Lowry. Um, so to, it, it did stink that we didn't get to see what Aaron Gordon could have done in this series, um, even on the defensive end. I mean, for us, all we would have asked it with, with Vooch playing how he played, you know, you're asking Aaron Gordon to meet his points per game average for the season, give us 14 a game. Um, and that's the low end of his points per game. You know, and get us maybe four- hold Giannis to like four less points a game. Yeah, I mean his his role wouldn't have been big. Um, well, I mean it would have been big because Giannis is a handful. But, um, but I mean it would have been something he could have managed. I think uh, with a guy like Fournier struggling, having Aaron Gordon would have been huge for this series. Um, and who knows, maybe we see something out of Aaron that we you know hadn't seen, which like we got to see with with Vucevic. So who knows? Maybe he comes in, plays out of his mind. That's always going to be a, a, a what if. Uh, the biggest what if obviously is Jonathan Isaac, but. Um, yeah, yeah they, let, let me ask you. Yeah, healthy Jonathan Isaac, healthy Aaron Gordon, healthy Michael Carter Williams. What happens with this series? I'm gonna sound biased when I say this, but I say it goes to seven. Uh, I don't. I think, think we have a legitimate chance to win in seven. Yeah, I, I would say the Bucks would win just because it's kind of that whole like, you know, it it would play out like it did in individual games, which is Magic make a run, they catch up. Um, they're they're there, and then Giannis remembers he's MVP of the league and can do whatever he wants. And yes, so let me I, ask you this: the yeah. Jonathan Isaac that we saw in the first two games was that the Jonathan Isaac that like we were going to get? I don't know. I because I don't... if that's the Jonathan Isaac we were going to get, I think the Magic legitimately win in five or six. I, I know that obviously that's going to sound incredibly biased, but like, yeah, Jonathan I, Isaac is, is like, is I, I've said this on Twitter, but as good of a defender as Aaron Gordon is like, we used to talk about how good of a, a defender Aaron Gordon was literally on a nightly basis. And now we never talk about it. That's how good of a defender Jonathan Isaac is. Yeah. I mean, they, they're great. They're, they're both great defenders, but Jonathan Isaac is just incredible due to his length um and ability to keep up on the defensive end um and do more than hold his own i mean he's an incredible defender like you said um i think officially i would say bucks went in seven all that to say that's not me saying you know it wouldn't be i mean that sounds like a fun series to me found sounds a lot more fun than losing and and the amount of games we did so I think it's still seven, but I I don't think we have these like double digit losses. Like I think it's I think it's a super close series. I don't feel like Orlando is necessarily as good of a team as the Bucks. I just think it turned out to be such a better matchup for the Magic than we originally anticipated in the way that it looked like in the regular season. Like sometime over the course of the last few months, Steve Clifford locked himself like in a room and was like, okay, how do we go toe to toe with the Bucks? And I feel like he found a way people that, you know, obviously he has his shortcomings. Obviously there are things that he does that are extremely frustrating, but the fact that the magic like had a puncher's chance in like three of these five games speaks incredible volumes to the caliber of coach that Steve Clifford is not only as like a a game planner and as a strategist, but as a motivator. To get oh. these guys who I mean, like were completely written off to play the way that they I, did. It's been touched on a lot, at least in the Twitter, you know, magic community. But 
it, the fact that the Magic were the only team in the first round not to get swept in the East. I mean, that you would have never thought that with the roster that, that Clifford went into it with. Um, I mean, I, I think people don't appreciate Cliff as much as they should because they like to focus on the negative. Um, but, I mean, the fact that we got a game is incredible against the one seed with an MVP. And um, smacked them, not and, just... And handedly won. I mean, they, they the Bucks did... You know, the roles got reversed the rest of the series, but the Bucks would go on a run, the Magic would respond. Also, to your point about, you know, if the Magic were healthy, if the Magic were healthy, we're playing the Raptors. True. I mean, you look at it. J.I. goes down, was at the Kings game, right? Yep, game two. Kings game. The Magic go on to lose against the Pacers by 11. Raptors by 10. Sixers by 7. Celtics and OT. That one hurt. Uh, Nets mm, by thank 12. You Steve Clifford. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just praising Steve Clifford. <laughs> and then remembering how bad he screwed us at the end of that game. Yeah, that wasn't good. Uh, and then you, you lose to the Nets. And then you beat the Pelicans, which whatever throwaway game didn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I mean... If if the Magic are healthy, we're not playing the Bucks. True. Um, and then the Raptors team I saw today, and even the Raptors team I saw against the Nets. And Nick Nurse just such a great job today. Just oh, okay, great. guys, backstory for you guys. <laughs> I think Nick Nurse is the best coach in the league, unequivocally. And no, Jonathan, you, no, 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 like unequivocally is not the, like because some people are like oh, okay, unequivocally. He says it's not even close. That's that's the we won't get into it. Maybe this is a this. filler episode, and I uh, eventually down the road when we need something to talk about. But <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the reason. Jonathan I do said believe that. Nick Nurse is, is is top three in the league, right? But I don't think he's head and shoulders better than everybody else. Do, do you think he should have been coach of the year this year? Yeah, he should have been the coach of the year this year. Absolutely, so he's the best coach in the league to you. Okay, Dwayne Casey won coach of the year. Is he the best coach in the league? Well, this is completely Avery different. Johnson won coach Nick of the Nurse, year. Like, Nick come on, Nurse you can't this, use that as uh, an argument. Nick Nurse loses Kawhi, and here's the Raptors. Granted, they just got smackalacked by Boston bad. But regardless, uh, anyway. No, he, like did, I he said. did a great job with them all year. I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm just busting your chops here. Well, I know. And then but. I had to explain <laughs> to listeners, and I got myself riled up again. It's um, but I don't even remember where where I was going. Oh, the Magic would have faced was would have matched the up Raptors, against the Raptors. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the Magic do against the Raptors. I don't know if the Bucks are, you know, for real, yeah, or if I they're think, just beat no, a, an eight seed in five games for real. I think I, I think the Celtics just match up with the Raptors a lot better than we do. Like same thing with the Celtics. They just have so many guys that like can get their own shot whenever yeah. they want, yeah. and that's what the Magic can't do. And like I thought that the the Bucks had a few more of those guys, but it really feels like it's Giannis, Middleton, and Eric Bledsoe, and, a little and like bit of every, Hill. a little bit, yeah, a little bit of George Hill. Sorry, I forgot about George Hill. Um, but everybody else, it's like they're really just waiting around to see what Giannis is going to do to pass them the ball. Yeah. Um, all that to say, after the Magic win Game One against the Bucks, we're all saying this. It, literally everyone. There was nobody not saying this statement. Man, can you believe we didn't want the Bucks and we wanted the Raptors instead? Oh yeah, we were all saying that. We I were look like, back what on a that, bunch of idiots, and I'm like, wow, I was I was so young, I was so so young, so young you in were the mind. Tw- you were a, you were 23 at the time. I was I was a year, it was a year ago. So, um, uh, but looking back, I mean, hindsight Luke just is had 20. a birthday. If you guys didn't get that, happy birthday! Yeah. Um, happy okay. birthday! We're done. We're done. We're done. No, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done with that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I in hindsight. Um, I would like to go back and slap, you know, post game one Luke in the face and be like, no, you're about to regret that. Um, I, w- 
I would have liked the Raptors, but I would have only liked the Raptors if we were fully healthy. So yeah. um, just like I would have been okay with playing the Bucks fully healthy. Um, but, you know, it, it stinks. Injuries are part of the game. Uh, sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes you're not. Um, just a really weird fluke um, and string of things that happened to the Magic to really screw them out of this postseason for sure. Yeah, at, least an, it, at least an exciting one. One that we could sit back and enjoy. After game one, it was a little. It was just downhill for us, and we didn't even know it. But it, you know, that that's that's basketball injuries win a lot of the time. So, so last question for you, Luke, before we kind of wrap it up here. So, um, everybody knows that you know the the first three years, John and Jeff uh, have really been cleaning up Rob Hennigan's mess, right? Yeah. The trade for um, Serge Ibaka. You know, signing you know Bismack Biombo, um, obviously the the contract with Evan Fournier. So like really, the first few years here, they've just been trying to do their best with the hand that they were dealt. Yeah. Right. This I feel like is like the the first off season where we really have the chance to see these guys make like their imprint on the team, like put their fingerprints on it. Now, yeah, they're kind of limited by that because obviously the salary cap and everything like that is going to look much different thanks to covid um mm-hmm. i definitely feel like you had to re-sign vooch and, and terrence ross you couldn't just lose those assets but um they they really have an opportunity this summer to to make some changes do you do you kind of have that same feeling like it's it's nut up or shut up time for these guys yeah um it definitely is it's it's something that i think i hope that we're going to be pleased with the outcome um they have chances to move guys that the magic fan base isn't crazy about obviously magic fan base is not always right i know that's a shock to you guys um but those guys know more than us um right, so yeah, it's not even about who we want on the team we just want to have a good team and you have to move people to make that happen yeah and and what i would encourage everybody listening to this episode if they make a move that doesn't make sense to you it is not time to hit the panic button. It is not time to say, let's fire them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Like I just said, they know a lot more than all of us do. Um, you don't need to be armchair front office guys um, and girls. And it just doesn't, we don't need to do that. Let these guys, let these guys draft, let these guys trade, let them do their thing because they're, they're good at what they do. Um, you just played a Bucks team. That is the one seed who they had a, a part, a big part, and what that, that team is. Um, so just, just trust them. Uh, and obviously, once it's all, once we see the results, if there's no fruits to their labor, if there's, nothing, if there's not any of that, then go ahead. But uh, I'm just saying that because I know how, how we can all be. <laughs> I'm telling myself this a lot as, as well. Um, but, you know, it, be prepared to see things shake up on the Magic roster this year. Um, I would be shocked if there isn't uh, some type of shakeup, whether that's a Fournier getting moved, um, you know, us, you know, getting rid of DJ Augustine officially, um, you know, letting guys walk, bringing guys in, making big trades. Uh, it w- would be nice to to be able to see that type of stuff to then look back and say, you know, here's what they did, and it worked out really well for us. So uh, all that to say, Jonathan, I think this is the time that they can really prove it to everybody and to themselves that, that they can, you know, get this job done and that the Magic will be an improved team. 
it, it might be a, a year project, two pro, two year project um, to make it happen. But I, I think that they've got a long term goal put in mind. I think they're very deliberate. We've talked about that a lot. They're very deliberate. They're not settling for anything. They're going to do what they want to do. So all the more reason to think that, that you know they're not going to get swindled out of anything. Um, these guys are you know pretty intelligent. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. I I mean it's hard for me to like get too excited for next season because I know like we're not going to have Ji and it's like just without Ji you know we really can't see what the full capabilities of this you know whatever roster we have in place what that's going to be without Ji. But I'm I'm super excited for for Chuma. Um, super excited to see you know if we do bring a rookie in and and what all that is going to look like. So. I hope you guys didn't get too used to Luke and I talking about basketball. I know for like the first three months of Luke being on the show, yeah. we didn't get to talk about basketball at all, and we're gonna. <laughs> we talked about kinda, a video game. So. Yeah, we talked about a. Yeah, it was that was really rough, man. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we're gonna continue to talk about the playoffs as those um, continue to unfold moving forward over the course of the next couple of months here. But um, yeah, it's definitely gonna be. Uh, Rough not talking Magic Basketball for a few more months, but we'll definitely have to wait and see. Um, again, just kind of waiting to see when next season's going to start. So, yeah. Luke, anything else? Um, not really. Uh, obviously, you guys know where you can find us, um, the podcast. Uh, we'd really like to. We, we're trying to establish more of an Instagram presence as well. Um, you guys probably already follow us on Twitter, I'm guessing. Uh, but if you guys would... Uh, as you guys are listening to this, just go to Instagram, type in Six Man Show. You can find us. Uh, we'll be hopefully trying to do some some things with you guys, maybe in the future, um, in terms on social media and just communicating with you guys that way. We'd love to get more involved via Instagram. You guys could do that, um, and then from there, you can find our profiles. We always are willing to banter back and forth with you guys, talk with you guys, um, whatever it may look like. So uh, that's about all that that I've got, Jonathan. Uh, you guys, again, once again, it's at Six Man Show, uh, I think on everything. One word. So. Yep. One yep. word. That's about it. You got it, buddy. All right, everybody. We are going to continue with the episodes each and every Monday throughout the off season and into next season and until the end of eternity, it seems like. So uh, keep your head up. Rough season. We got through it. It's been a hell of a year. We're almost through that. So uh, everybody just uh, keep your head up. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll all get through this year we'll get through um hopefully into a a better magic season next year but only time will tell but thank you guys so much for listening to the six man show for luke this has been jonathan and we will catch you guys next time see ya thanks for listening to the six man show be sure to subscribe on itunes spotify google play and stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review it would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!